Wardcast episode 189 go I'm Dylan Vento and today I'm joined by Will Lewis president of Portland Indie Game Squad Pig Squad and also director of Rose City Games hi Will hello uh we're back in the pool room we were there a scant two weeks ago with Marlo. <laughs> how is how are things over in Portland? I need a Portland update. I need my every other week Portland update. That's right. Yeah, that's easy with us. Uh, it's going really well. There's a lot of uh, really cool stuff going on in town now that spring is rolling around. And spring is sprung. Yes, and uh, we're getting excited for like summer game jams, and everybody is making really cool stuff right now. So yeah, it's fun. Yeah. Who who else is like? Are there any other um, studios of sorts in in town that people would know of, or is I, it Rose City and then Pig Squad? And a I'd lot of people two, just work within Pig Squad. Yeah, I would say the two big epi- uh, the oh my god, two big episodes, two big studios that a lot of people are really aware of include. Uh, t- uh, wow, I was just about to call them Tacoma, uh, Fulbright. <laughs> oh right, who Fulbright's makes there. Tacoma and Gone Home. Uh, Super Genius is another interesting one. They do a lot of art support, like. Uh, maybe six months ago, they were the ones who did the huge uh, Overwatch uh, gesture update uh, or, you know, emote, taunt, whatever. I'm playing Dark Souls and all these other kinds of things, so I forget what everybody's calling these these emotes. Um, and then uh, Pipeworks is actually in Eugene, about two hours south of here. They picked up Terraria recently, and they've got oh, a bunch okay. of interesting things. They do Super Fight as well. That's uh, their original title and all that kind of thing. Yeah, um, I know the Gato Roboto guys are uh-huh. also over in Eugene. Um, I had Dante Douglas in, on a little while ago, and he's friends with, with those dudes. Yeah, Britton, Colin, and Joseph. Isn't the Black Future 88 developer over there? Or am I wrong? They are in Seattle, I believe. Okay. Um, I remember talking to you about PAX West. I couldn't remember. You're just referencing this uh, amorphous blob that is the Pacific Northwest to you. Yeah, it's real. It's just <laughs> trees. It's just trees for miles and miles. That's right. I mean, the first time I was in the Pacific Northwest was for PAX West last year, and mm-hmm. I really, I really dug it. Yeah, get ready again. It's going to be a fun one. I don't know. I don't know if that's like taboo to like lump in Seattle and Portland like that. Is it topographically similar? Is it, you know? Yeah. Nobody really cares about me. It's okay. Don't worry. Okay. All right. So I'm only offending you. I got yeah, it. All that's right. right. <laughs> All right. I'll make sure to have a reference to Voodoo Donuts or something in here. So oh, I can get great. that Portland cred back in. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So you guys are uh, starting to ramp into your, your summer slow jams with Pig Squad. Uh, how does that work? It's a monthly thing, right? Yeah. So every year, I believe this will be the fifth year that we've done this we host three game jams over the course of the summer one in june one in july and one in august ahead of time everybody knows like the technical themes associated with those so uh last year one of the themes was location based so that people can kind of get in the mindset of like oh i'm going to try to make something that's location based i'm going to try to teach myself some software or identify a software that i will teach myself over the course of the jam or any of those kinds of things but that happens. And then when we actually get on site, we say, cool, here's a creative theme. And then so last year, the the creative theme associated with location based games in July was cryptids. So it's make a location based game with uh, references or is themed by cryptids. And so over the course of like a week or 10 days or 11 days or whatever, people make those games. So typically a game jam is, you know, or what most people know to be a game jam is like Friday night, like you hear a theme, you maybe form a team or you decide to roll solo and you have to deliver your finished game on Sunday night. So 48 hours is usually the thing people are uh, thinking about when they think of game jams. But the reason we call these summer slow jams is because we host an event and then we say bye, see you in eight to 11 days and bring the game that you made with friends or on your own that you, you know, collaborated with on Skype or at a coffee shop or whatever else. So people really like that. It's a great way to space out and make sure that things are even lower stakes, uh, which game jams typically are. And then people still make a ton of stuff. Last year, uh, people made 75 games over the course of the summer. Wow. 
Do you see a uh, like significant or noticeable increase in like polish or scope when you give them a week, or is it like, hey, I kind of just took the work I would do in like forty eight hours and kind of split it over, you know, a couple hours every day, something kinda, like that. That's kind of what we recommend, at least, is to say, yep, you're kind of making the same size game as you would in a forty eight hour jam, but you don't have to. Uh, reserve your entire weekend for it or not get sleep if you want to fit the last thing in, which, you know, some people do anyways. Right. But So uh, a lot more start menus. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah, very, very, very clean uh, title screen art and uh, social media posts and all that kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> right. Yeah. Um, oh, I have time to be a producer now on this Game Jam game. That's yep, great. Exactly. Yeah. People are, I don't know, people are picking that up at this uh, Global Game Jam. I believe this was our eighth Global Game Jam that we ran um, in January. And yeah, people were stepping up to the plate with like, yep, I'm a producer where a lot of people are like, oh, it's a game jam. We get these now. That's amazing. So that was cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's pretty cool. Um, And you had a good turnout for that? Yeah, I think we had about 160 people on site and 48 games in 48 hours. It was our our biggest 48-hour game jam. That's cool. Yeah. Um, and you guys uh, obviously like charge for 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 global just because, um, like you said, you told me before, like due to constraints and like sizes and venue and stuff, like it's kind of a requirement. Also, I'm sure that helps uh, pull resources back into Pig Squad itself. Right. Yeah. Pig Squad is a nonprofit that is just serving as a community platform for people to connect through events and online resources and all kinds of stuff. So the uh, the hard part about, about that is, you know, fundraising for money or, or for, for food on a event site or the venue or any of those kinds of things. So, yeah, we charge a very small amount for the weekend game jam. Um, but we also have like a Patreon and we get sponsors and all those kinds of things. Right, right, right. Um, and so uh, like like Pig Squad management quote unquote or Pig Squad organization, is it is it mostly you or how many how many people are like helping with the production of of these events yeah we have i think eight people on our kind of quote unquote organization team that includes the board which needs to exist for the nonprofit to exist and they help out a lot with uh kind of bringing in resources and all that kind of thing we have our officers which are kind of a little bit more involved and kind of like required to be involved quote unquote and then we have our resource council, which currently uh, works on more of a volunteer basis, but they're kind of the first people we go to with requests like that. So that's kind of how that works. We have a ton of really, really awesome volunteers that work on an event by event basis. And lately, we've uh, the organization team has been having a conversation about how to best loop in more people and how to do that and how to give people titles to kind of increase that just like uh, you know, community pride. And, uh, so yeah, um, I, I do most of this stuff. I do all the social media posting and events, uh, kind of venue booking and am on site for all of them and all those kinds of things. Um, but yeah, we have a huge team behind the scenes making that kind of stuff happen. And, uh, it's been cool because as the team has gotten more and more involved, we've found out that some events that were really hard to do for a second, have become a lot easier to do and they're way more valuable to the community and all that kind of thing. So it's really neat. What's an example of that? Like something that was really difficult to do previously that you can do now? Talent Talks was one of them where we host between like five and seven people in an evening of small talks. Uh, They give five to 20 minute presentations on pretty much just anything. Uh, Usually it's described as like, a, a lightning talk or TED talk where people either talk about like they give a tutorial or they uh, talk about their game making experiences or they visit a tool or a event that they were participating in, any of those kinds of things. And we hosted one last week and we hosted one in December last year. And before that, we had hosted them annually. Uh, but now we're going to start doing it, uh, try to do it quarterly. Uh, it became a lot easier to kind of get the knowledge to put those things together with everybody putting their heads together and being on site and lending kind of like last minute hands or uh, doing a lot of prep beforehand because now, because of what we know about how to 
one, put these talks together, but two, record them and throw them on YouTube, um, we're able to just like, I, I take 45 minutes the day of the event to set up the camera and I get to the event venue an hour early. And other than that, I'm just chatting with um, the people that are giving presentations about a month before that, and it's all good. So, uh, you know, everybody else takes care of editing it. We had a lot of discussions and trial runs with equipment for how to make recordings turn out nice and all those kinds of things. So that was a huge help and made that event more possible. So basically, the the thing that allowed those uh, events to occur more often and stuff is basically like you just had more hands. It wasn't like you had all of these specialty roles we can do it it's like a lot of it sounds like we just need a lot more people helping out a lot more volunteers to be able to to pick up and do something yeah i mean the way pick squad has always done stuff has been pretty scrappy because i started it alone and just like kind of went for it kind of thing and i think more often than not it can come down to just needing the hands on deck and putting the hours in and all that kind of thing. I think a great, and it's, it's a great way to kind of skill up too, because a great example is how uh, Corey, one of our uh, officers and organizers with pig squad was a little familiar with many editing software, uh, video editing softwares for a while. But when we started doing things like streams or any of those kinds of things, it was, you know, a, a simple case of learning a new software with regard to how to just cut footage and move footage around. And then he started kind of skilling himself up in playing with audio in Premiere and all these other kinds of things. So I think it's, you know, it's to, to get not to get too uh, all wisdom check on everything, but it's it's very much like a game jam where over <laughs> a longer period of time, instead, you're kind of going step by step and saying, how can I, you know, impact everything? Or how can I impact everybody's time as low stakes as possible, but still come out with a cool result? And eventually, it doesn't matter how uh, skilled something needs to really be, uh, because people have skilled up over that time and can take it on. Uh, of course, that's hard if somebody needs to leave or anything like that. So um, with us, at least uh, one of our officers is a tech officer. So uh, he is he is definitely skilled and trained up in many different things surrounding that. Um, and is a always acts as a really, really great fallback for when we need website help or video editing help or any of those kinds of things. But otherwise, uh, a lot of the organization team and a lot of volunteers have kind of just picked it up as they've gone and been able to deliver really great work to everybody. So you have your you have your board, which from the outset sounds like, um, like you said, that's a requirement for a nonprofit. Right. Also, are they like kind of like your your fundraising go tos? Is that the implication there of like what their responsibilities are or is it more they are determining like the direction of the of the organization nonprofits are really weird because there's a lot it depends on what state you're in but there's a lot of rules for how a nonprofit needs to work and then there's a lot of ways in which a nonprofit just can work in different ways um yes the board is supposed to primarily be the outlet for funding and um, kind of making very, very uh, kind of grander scale decisions and everything like that. With us, because of the way that we're organized right now and because everybody who is on board with Pig Squad has a full-time job aside, pretty much, um, we we all kind of pitch in on that uh, with the with the kind of officer structure. Um, some of our officers are the ones chasing like sponsors and maintaining those relationships. And our board does a lot of kind of research to kind of look for opportunities and all those kinds of things. So that's where like other volunteers and other officers can come in to actually like approach and execute those opportunities. Uh, with a kind of on paper nonprofit, at least in Portland, um, in Oregon, it's very, easy to get a nonprofit status in comparison to many other states. So the regulations aren't as strict with regard to reporting or what everybody's roles needs to be or anything like that. So that's what kind of allows us to shift and wear multiple hats very, very easily. But uh, a lot of nonprofits in Portland will have a much larger board than we do. We have three people on our board, uh, myself included. Um, but a lot of people have like a much larger board, which is like 
big time, either just like donating money themselves or like hitting up their buds who are, uh, you know, quote unquote partners to uh, fund initiatives or any of those kinds of things. Um, another example is our, our resource council is uh, kind of a good example of like lead volunteers where in other places in Portland, a lot of nonprofits will say that the resource council is specifically there to like lead an initiative with a very, very specific skill set or any of those kinds of things. So um, a little bit up for interpretation and it's a, it's a lot to go through sometimes if you're looking state to state, what it's like to start a nonprofit and all that. Yeah. I, I forget what the specifics are in Virginia at the very least. Like you need, like, like you said, a board, um, a charter of some sort. And I forget how much more in depth it goes than that. But um, board, like you said, kind of a combination of vision, some execution, um, a little bit of fundraising, um, and then go to the officers for more further execution. And those are all discipline based. So like you said, you have a tech officer, like what other kinds of officers do you have? Um, We've had communication officers before. Um, I forget. I think, Corey's title right now, uh, we changed a couple of things a couple of months ago, but uh, Corey's title right now is uh, operations officer. So when when it comes time for those reporting moments for like taxes, uh, tax exempt status or any of those kinds of things, he takes care of a lot of that kind of stuff. Um, and yeah, we're, we're honestly like really actively kind of pursuing right now what other roles there could be, or if we do want to break it out into uh, keeping a limited uh, officer and board capacity and opening up the um, the more skill skill oriented uh, and more specific uh, skill oriented roles into something that we might call lead volunteers or any of those kinds of things. That sounds like a uh, very good kind of like organization hierarchy model, just because. Um... I'm asking these questions partially for the podcast and partially for myself as trying to figure out what RBA Game Jams <laughs> needs to do going forward and like how we can learn from other uh, similar organizations. So when you're like starting out with Pig Squad, what were like were you looking to similar like local game dev communities for inspiration and are there were there any like preceding you that you could look to? I actually this is maybe a negative answer but like I looked at a lot of uh, game communities for and and saw what I didn't want to do. Um, I my background from Pig Squad came from going to film school and not having a lot of outlets at school to get together with other students and make things. Um, so we we started a group that was kind of like Pig, Pig Squad but for film production. And I have a background in animation and. Uh, storyboarding and all that other kind of stuff. So we did that for a while and I really ended up kind of wanting to go back to my roots of wanting to do games and uh, also was kind of having a hard time connecting with how I wanted an organization to operate operate or a, a community to operate um, with the film community in Portland. So I started Pig Squad. I said, you know, I've been community organizing for a while. Why not do this with games instead of film? And it ended up working out pretty well because I knew the basics of how to uh, do something consistently and how to communicate and make sure that everything for uh, all the info for an event was in one place or any of those kinds of things. So that was kind of the start for making sure that this community just ran. And a lot of that I had figured out on my own with other community organizers with the film groups. So uh, actually some of our like first pig squad outings and stuff like that, we met um, another uh, local game developer crew and talked a little bit, bit about like what they were doing. And they said like, yeah, we're like part of this greater organization and all these other kinds of things. This is kind of what we're doing. And it was very industry focused. And I just thought, no, that's not what I want to do. Uh, and then things like Glitch City popped up and uh, there's, you know, Dutch Game Garden isn't quite a community platform, but, you know, it's got that kind of vibe of uh, lots of indies doing very similar things together. Um, a lot of communities in Vancouver and stuff that I'd heard about. And a lot of those were either kind of four people who had already had a start or very industry focused or 
very professional focused or uh, in some cases like too educationally focused, like I didn't want to start a school kind of thing. So that's kind of how we stepped back into how Pig Squad could be more of an overarching entity for addressing just accessibility in game making and taking the the dirty word of networking off of things and making it a little bit of reflect like how things actually work with regard to relationship building with people and um, making sure that you're playtesting your product and sharing everything and all those other kinds of things. So. So like you said, it's more community focused and obviously like you focus a lot on 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 jams and we do too. Obviously it's RV game jams it's in the name, but for people that might be like, okay, like I'm I'm getting I'm starting to work in games like uh, you know on on the side or as a hobby or like I've been participating in game jams and, and trying to increase my skill. Is there a a pipeline or some sort of like funnel for people that are like, okay, well what are the next steps if I want to like make a commercial game a commercial product is there like a field a track for people that are interested in that for pig squad or is it mostly like we want to do the community-based stuff the like coming together making games and then like if you're interested in making a commercial one we can help you out but like a lot of that stuff you have to like it's it's on your own responsibility yeah i mean we always have to tend towards like putting things on other people because of just what we're doing right now and how uh, how much time it takes to just organize the basic community and everything like that. One thing I really want to do and uh, one thing that everybody in the community wants and the organizing team wants is to get more of a kind of track going where we're saying, you know, here's here's start to finish how to become a quote unquote expert in beginning to, you know, market your game after you've made it and made some connections and all those other kinds of things. Until then, right now, we're definitely focused on being able to at least offer access points for kind of every angle to where we do workshops for game making tools. We do game jams to make sure that people are learning a little bit of this stuff on their own and connecting with people on their own. Uh, the talent talks the other night was uh, a little bit more than halfway, uh, totally focused on marketing and uh, getting your name out there and showing an expos and starting to work with commercial entities and all that other kind of thing. So. Yeah, definitely with regard to structuring something that's more like a track, it's definitely something we uh, have the capability of doing. Uh, it mostly comes down to funding and time and uh, finding additional team members to pull that off and all that kind of stuff. Um, Corey and I have had plans uh, written down for like a, a game dev incubator for like years that just, you know, the either the right timing or the right funding hasn't come along or any of those kinds of things. Um but until then, yeah, one one thing that we really want to do is listen to the community a lot. We have a anonymous feedback form on our website in case people don't want to ask direction, uh, ask questions directly or any of those kinds of things. So uh, we do we have been listening to a lot of that stuff, and that's like why the talent talks last week was mostly focused on marketing is because people have been asking for it so much. Uh, until then, everybody loves game jams and um, has actually been finding uh, jobs through the game jams that they've done or through the drink and draw that we hosted last month or any of those kinds of things. Um, it turns out that leaving people to their own devices does create a lot of connection points and people can flourish that way. Uh, but a lot of people need structure too. And uh, that is completely reasonable and something we want to uh, pursue more, uh, but it's just not quite yet. So talent talks were community driven. People volunteered that. And like you said, you, you interviewed them. So for the marketing focused one, how do you validate that they're that they're <laughs> that they know what they're talking about? Like, I'm sure a lot of them are like have already been embedded in the community, and so you've been able to speak with them beforehand. And like you said, you interview them. But like, I'm sure it'd be easy to be like, yeah, I know what I'm talking about, and then like see someone get on stage and be like, um, yeah. I mean, a lot of people are vetted because of how long they've kind of been participating in the community too. Um, one thing I'm a huge believer in, and this is something I learned way pre-Pig Squad um, with regard to the, the film community in Portland and everything like that, is that um, people need to be a little bit more active and be willing to give a little bit more before it's it's an easy yes to having somebody, uh, you know, kind of take charge of everybody else's 20 minutes and ask for something, you know, um, there's a lot of people that 
propose talks or want to host a workshop uh, from a very, very, very large company or any of those kinds of things and say, hey, you guys are a community. So like I can come in and do this thing. Right. And it's easy enough to say like, yeah, it's the skill set's probably there and all that kind of stuff. But with regard to just it's a it's just a matter of limited time and resources. Like if if we can't help put this together and put the call out and all this kind of thing. And it, you know, inherently, you know, benefits your business model and it is not clear how it actually benefits the rest of our community, uh, then what's the answer to that? And if if somebody does not have an answer to that, then we usually don't move forward with something like that. Um, or if, you know, and I, and I guess the, the experience that I'm drawing from is with the, the film group. There were a lot of people that would come in and be around for two months and recruit a bunch of people and uh, and leave kind of thing. And a lot of those projects after, uh, you know, I say recruit as if, you know, recruit recruiting is a good thing in some cases. But in a lot of those cases, I had learned that uh, the people really didn't know what they were talking about. And everybody who got recruited had a really bad experience. And then they would look back at the film group that we were organizing and say, oh, like that was a that was a very bad experience going to this group because I was told that I would get this thing from this group and it didn't happen. And even worse, I'm I'm out money or somebody broke my equipment or any of those kinds of things. And we can't have that reflecting on our group as well, because we're we're trying our best to curate and moderate those experiences so that they're positive for people. So that's kind of an interesting example of how people are vetted. But uh, there's honestly so many people doing so many interesting things that it is really easy to just be like, yep, I've seen your posts on Twitter and I've seen you grow for the last seven months and you want to now talk about it. Cool. You're in. Or, uh, yeah, you've been coming out to stuff for just the last two months, but, um, you've been showing us your work and you've been talking to a lot of people and a lot of people, um, you know, think you're a good speaker and think you have something, uh, some, some wisdom to offer, like, cool, you're in like, um, a lot of people will apply and honestly we really i don't i don't think we've actually ever rejected anyone for something like a talent talk uh, we have a but we do have a very big running list because of how many people want to do it and uh, have kind of a priority order for that reason so that everybody gets a chance um with the marketing one specifically i did reach out to a couple of people in the community who i have either employed in the past or who i have a booth next to at pack south and west for the last two years to say like oh yeah you know what you're talking about like do you want to do this thing um so it kind of goes hand in hand that way and i'm sure you see like different types of um members of the community like i'm sure i mean we, we have that as well where it's like okay these are people that are like are really into just making a, a game for a weekend and then just like kind of going back to their regular job and that's awesome like they really want to participate in the jam itself yeah we have people that we see once a year because they come out to Global Game Jam and then they yep. go home and that's fine. Yeah. Yeah, that's great. Um, and even, I mean, that that also does not preclude somebody from giving a talent talk or anything like that. Because if we if we know who they are and all that kind of thing, then then we're good. Uh, bad attitude's the one thing that we, you know, have to keep watch for too. So even if somebody's like one of the most knowledgeable people in the world, but they make pe people feel awful when they talk to them, then... That's, you know, another qualifier. So uh, it all just kind of has to do with how that relationship is upkept and um, evidence of what's going on with everybody and how they're interacting with each other. You also, uh, like we mentioned before, um, are the director at Rose City Games, mm -hmm. just released World Next Door. What, what has it been? It's been a month, two months now? Oh, been boy. It's been, it's been like... <laughs> It's been 48 days, yeah, it's been, 23 minutes. It's been hard to keep track. That's what I'll say. Uh, it's been it's been a month and a week about. So kind of tell me how um, Rose City Games kind of came out in parallel with your work in uh, Pig Squad. Yeah, so I actually was working with some friends on a game for Cartoon Network, just doing some very, very small stuff. Um, and they had had a contract with Cartoon Network uh they had a they had a studio in town at the time that was doing that kind of stuff and uh i was just like yeah i want to get my hands on this this sounds awesome so i did that for a while and because of just uh participating that lightly uh i had met a lot of cartoon network kind of event planners and producers and stuff like that at places like pax west um because i had just gone and uh, you know just went to a coffee social with 
uh, my friends and their coworkers from Cartoon Network were there kind of thing. And uh, on the way, I was thinking like, oh man, I wonder if the Cartoon Network did a game jam. They had a they had an app that was running hot at the time where it was like WarioWare style, like mini games and animation clips. And I was just like, that would be really cool if the community got together and did this kind of stuff because there's already like an interest uh, initially in the community. So I talked to some Cartoon Network producers about that and they were like, oh yeah, that sounds interesting. You know, this this app doesn't really support that anymore because it's kind of out and all that kind of stuff. But let's talk about something else. And this was when OKKO, Let's Be Heroes, was uh, starting to spin up. And because that series is so inspired by video games, they said, let's maybe apply this jam idea to that. So Cartoon Network wanted to put together this huge kind of uh, presence around innovation in game making with larger and smaller studios. So that was essentially the quote unquote funding. It was the it was the gig that kicked off uh, Rose City Games because we got together and we had 42 teams, uh, about 200 people make games over the course of a 48 hour game jam uh, based on OKKO characters way before the IP was announced. Um, We were planning this and the IP was actually announced like when the game jam kicked off and uh, people make games and there was uh, a lot of uh, there was like a tiered structure for uh, the competition where people got essentially uh, paid for the weekend for certain tiers and all those other kinds of things. But one team got a full-time paid contract to make the prototype that they had made during the game jam into a full-fledged mobile release. So they were, they were contracted for, I think a year and a couple of months with Cartoon Network and were paid in full for that. So that was really cool. Um, but uh, my work on that game jam was what kicked off the uh, how Rose City Games moved forward. And we did a lot of continued kind of relationship building to do uh, kind of odd jobs, for lack of a better term, uh, like mobile apps and AR apps and all that kind of thing for expos and uh, marketing um, initiatives for Games like Headmaster, which was on the is a launch title for the PSVR, and Hype Swap, uh, which came out about two years ago now, I think maybe a year and a half, I don't remember. Um, and from there, we uh, hooked up with Viz Media, who was like, "Cool, like you're doing a lot of great work in the community, and we see um, all the potential for how games are hooking into this. Uh, let's make some games together." So that's when we started working on the World Next Door, which again released a month and a week ago, about and. And we're continuing to work with them and other partners to make uh, original games rather than do those quote unquote odd jobs and contractor work, which we still do. You know, that stuff has to be operating in the background a lot of the time uh, just for operating costs and everything. But um, now we're actually making things that we want to make as well. So it's cool. And I'm sure it, it, it helps that there's a big animation entertainment presence already kind of established in Portland that you're able to like have those connections like you said with with cartoon network you said i previously had a studio there and then does viz have a have a studio in portland this this is presence in portland is essentially us <laughs> um yeah a lot of the stuff that we actually collaborate with people on is is uh maybe connections forged in portland but it's typically actually uh out of out of state um unless we're doing something kind of a little bit smaller so so how big is is rose city person wise Rose City right now we have uh, technically four or five employees. We have five employees. And uh, depending on the game that we're working on, especially with World Next Door, because a lot of different people touched animation versus character art versus backgrounds versus uh, like cutscene illustrations and all that kind of thing. Like at, at any given time through that project, we had between like 10 and 25 people with hands on the project, like at that time kind of thing. Um, so now that World Next Door is out and done, we're, um, we have a couple less hands on deck uh, just for the sake of the projects. But we have a couple of other projects spinning up right now that um, we're, we're ramping into and it's really exciting. Were most of your contractors also local? Like I know obviously Marlo also helped some on uh, World Next Door and stuff, but. 
yeah yeah a lot of people uh a lot of people are local and like it was it was really cool our friend uh norm who worked in uh animation and art support uh, or i should say he worked on art support and our friend uh chris gortz worked on animation support uh i've known them since almost the first or second uh pig squad game jams in like early 2012 kind of thing. Um, but I've, I'd never worked with them professionally, but, uh, another good example, I've known their work. I've seen them on Instagram I see them at events at least a couple times a year and all that kind of thing. And I know their attitude and the game jams that game jam games that they put out. So, uh, it was really easy to just be like, yep, like you guys busy right now. Come on in. So I'm curious about like, because you tell me about the the number of people that attend your your game jams and are part of the greater pig squad community and i'm curious how much that's aided by the industry that's in portland or the size of portland um i'm not exactly sure like do you know the size of portland like population wise oh man people ask me that question i never i never know (laughs) to the internet i go yep no reason we shouldn't know this because of our phones yeah so like so richmond is quarter of a million people Mm -hmm. so i mean it's 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 you know it's not even the biggest city in the state right (laughs) so and then portland is six hundred fifty thousand. looks like so like almost three times yeah um, (laughs) bigger than richmond and so i'm always curious like what is the uh the upper limit of of like a a community's cap which i mean obviously you know it shouldn't be really a concern because as long as you're fostering like creative thought and and interested people and stuff and and making a healthy community Mm -hmm. like that should be your chief concern right but i'm always I have that worry in the back of my head of like, are we not reaching people that are actually like super interested (laughs) in participating in this? I I would not have that worry, but I would definitely uh, have that realization. Um, You know, Corey, who has played one of the more active roles in pig squad organization over the past many years uh, was in Portland for four years before he knew about pig squad and pig squad was there all four of those years. Um, he eventually found out about it through design week, Portland, which is, uh, a separate event and, uh, organization structure that brings a lot of things like creative morning talks and, uh, like uh, they they coordinate a lot of art studios in town uh, as they have kind of open houses for kind of like a you know open house crawl in Portland and all those kinds of things. And because Corey knew uh, had a lot of friends in the design world, um, he loved games and he was making games at the time and all that kind of stuff. But just because his friend group was in the design world and he went to events that appeared on those calendars and we had an event on their calendar, that is how he found out. And he immediately, uh, after starting to come to stuff, became one of the more active members in the community. So that's a really good example of kind of how outreach and collaborating with other groups and stuff like that can really help. Um, but also a really good example of how uh, you're never reaching everybody uh sometimes it's hard too so i would always recommend going with the more frictionless way of reaching out to other people such as with design week portland they say cool we like what you do we'll put your event on our calendar and we will promote it in certain ways and this year was amazing we had uh, about 600 people come out to drink and draw which we hosted during design week portland and there were many many designers who are very active in design events in portland tell us this is my favorite event of Design Week Portland. So that was really cool. And they came back to Talent Talks and learned a little bit more about games and said, you know, I'm a marketer, uh, I'm a, a marketing person at this agency, but I just learned so much more about how games are different than uh, things in design in the design world. So those kinds of things are really interesting. And it's another thing that we strive to do more often. Um, sometimes in, uh, in our area, there are also other groups that uh, just might not have the resources to support in that way or um with uh, some schools it's it's hard to connect and make sure that uh the administration or professors understand the value that something like a game jam can bring to students and when there's friction in some of those cases it's just like cool like let's do some events but if there's not much follow-up like then we're going to go to the the places that uh, expose this to people who are very, very interested in this stuff and make sure that it's happening. So, yeah, that's kind of an interesting question. I, I think that's super valid concern. Yeah. 
like you said, like universities, like we have a huge art university presence here in Richmond and um, we get a lot of art students for global and then not so much for any of the other events we host during the year. And I think mostly because global takes place immediately before the semester. Right. Yep. So you get the students that are like back in town. They have moved back into their dorms. You know, winter break is, is spinning down, mm-hmm. but they haven't been assigned any projects. They right. have like no obligations yet. Whereas the April Ludum Dare is always during exam week mm-hmm. or at least like right before exam week. So students have a very hard time carving out time. I, and I did too when I was a student. Oh, 100%. Trying to find time to like go over to the site and, and work on a game is just uh, very difficult. I'm actually kind of thankful now that Lumdari is only twice a year and we right. have one in October <laughs> as opposed to December because right. then we at least like be like, hey, it's October. Like exams haven't really and the holidays haven't started. Exams haven't started. Like maybe maybe you can come out and, and try out this game jam. And so I think our goal should be to really push for that October one uh, again with the schools. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, and I mean, I'm really inspired what you guys are doing over with like uh, summer slow jams and stuff like that. Because like our summer block, it's pretty uh, empty now that there's no uh, August Ludumdare. So I think we should really think about what we can do for the community, whether it's a another type of jam and with a different structure or maybe like some sort of talk um, or series of talks. Yeah, communication can serve really well in those cases too, because like with with our summer slow jams, we kick them off with a minimum of like a five minute talk from somebody who has something to say about the technical theme, because uh, we don't reveal the creative theme till after. Make everybody sit down, shut up, and listen to the talker. Um, but uh, I mean, I've I have talked on stage during summer slow jams about how you know people are coming in and. A lot of people are worried about how much time they need to spend making a game and they have a week to do it. So, or, you know, 15 days to do it or whatever. So, uh, you know, oh, I I need to make a game one, but two, like I have all this time to spend. Do I need to spend all this time? Like those are the kinds of questions that go through a lot of people's heads when they're, you know, being told about this stuff. So some people say, oh, I'm just going to go to the opening event because it's fun. And then, and then I'm, but I'm not going to do the game jam. But on stage before, I've talked about just like, yeah, I've made games in eight hours before, (laughs) like just anything, like theme it a little bit, like learn a little bit of a new tech. Uh, I always say that our goal with Summer Slow Jams is to meet new people, try new things, try to finish something kind of that bag. It's not a competition. It's not about making the best game. So a lot of people have actually opened up and been like, oh, my schedule kind of cleared up right now because <laughs> I, I only have to spend uh, four hours on Tuesday and four hours on Friday making as much as I can. And then I can come present it in a week. Like, that's cool. So that's another really interesting one that we actually had a lot of trouble learning about because if summer slow jams are only once a year, it's hard to adapt quickly in the middle of the summer to say, oh, wait, everybody, like we said the wrong thing. Summer slow jams is actually about this. So please adjust your expectations. Um, it's easier, you know, the next year to kick off all that and say, cool, like, is this the thing that's going to get everybody engaged? But we're, we're finally at a pace where everybody understands uh, that it's slow stakes and that uh, they should be using it for themselves and all those kinds of things. I even love seeing people's like uh, incomplete quote unquote prototypes, like whatever people can like jam out. Like it's always like our, our Ludum Dare like slate that we just had is some of my favorite stuff I've seen. Like I saw such a like wide variety, like people are really starting to like stretch out their abilities and understandings and capabilities working with the theme because obviously everyone hates whatever theme they're ever given. Of like, course. The theme is never good enough, but uh, <laughs> um I actually saw the guy that like submitted the theme for this last Lumdare. He was like apologizing profusely on like Twitter in the <laughs> LD side. He was like, I'm sorry, I didn't think it was gonna win. I just oh threw God, it in what there. Was it? Oh, it was um uh your life is currency. Oh, interesting. Okay. I actually think that one's interesting. Yeah, like I like thematic themes as opposed to like very mechanical or technical themes. Right. Um I think it's interesting that Silver So Jams has one of each. Yeah. And we also tell people like, yeah, if you like if it takes you in some weird direction, just run with it. Like you don't gotta do this. <laughs> just make something cool. <laughs> yeah. Um like trying to like circumvent the theme or like, you know, flip the theme on its head is always a, a fun thing. I don't know if you've seen this, but I've always seen like people's first game jam 
their tendency is always to go like sci-fi shoot 'em up. Mm-hmm. Have you ever seen this? Like uh, maybe this is just anecdotal bias. My, huh. yeah, I mean, a lot of people. I think I think shmup is a good like thing for learning new tools. So I would definitely say that that's a, a good bot. And everybody, okay, doesn't even matter how experienced anybody is in running game jams. Everybody always tells everybody to not do platformers because they're hard to because they're hard to make yes. like that just happens the physics are difficult. yeah exactly um my first game jam game was you were a robot in a tank it was a platformer you're a robot in a tank with a light gun on the top of it and you were going into houses and exercising ghosts with the light gun um so i don't know that kind of fits a little bit of a a little sci-fi shooter I don't know. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm talking like like really hard nosed sci-fi. It's like here's a ship. It's oh, in right. space. Mm-hmm. And I, I just saw that like a lot of times, especially my first game jam was um, LD30 and the theme was Connected Worlds. And it mm-hmm. was like sci-fi yeah. all over the place. That makes sense. It's like planets when you hear worlds kind of thing. Yeah. <laughs> Which not shaming anyone. It's always just interesting seeing like what what people kind of default to when mm-hmm. it's like, oh, I have no experience with this uh, spaceship. Yep. <laughs> I mean, even if you look at the the earliest examples of this industry, of this yep. medium, it's space war, it's asteroids, it's mm-hmm. it's space invaders. Yeah, what is, um, what is Pong other than a large uh, moving metal wall in space? <laughs> right, exactly. In, in, the, in the black void of space. Yep. <laughs> um, so going back to... World Next Door a bit in Rose City Games. <laughs> Between two connected worlds, is that was the theme for Lunar Day 30? Perfect. So obviously there's kind of like a, a reoccurring theme here with like working with uh, with uh, media partners with uh, your current projects. Do you think that'll kind of like always be the goal or is it, you know, in the future where they'll be like, it was like, all right, once we've saved up enough or like accrued enough notoriety or, or whatever, it's like now we're going to, now it's time for the Rose City Magnum Opus, uh, right. like our, our, our personal dream project. Yeah, there's there's something we're working on right now that semi fits that mold. Um, the Magnum Opus question is always interesting to me because even when people ask me what my favorite game is, I just can't give an answer. So um, what's your favorite game? I, I can't give an answer. <laughs> Give me some ideas of what your favorite game my, is. The ones I usually when people ask me that, I usually tell them the my favorite game that I've played over the past like three months or something like that. Um, but I also have thoughts around like you know the best the best 2D platformer is Donkey Kong Country Two. Um, Dragon Warrior Monsters is better than Pokemon. Wow. Uh, what else? Yeah, you know, just stuff like that. <laughs> you know, I went back to Dragon Warrior Monsters recently, and let me tell you, that combat system is a little rough. It's a little rough. It's, it's got its edges, but I think it aged well, and it's got a lot of very, very interesting things that are still kind of unseen in a lot of other games that like people are still hungry for there's still there's still no steam version uh, you know there's still no pc uh clone of dragon warrior monsters which i think is very interesting other than um serial m is the only one that i've seen kind of do it but it's a huge info dump so it's a little hard to get through um the breeding system in dragon warrior monsters genius oh yeah it's so good <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, lo- I love that game. I just beat it again for the whatever it's time uh, a little while ago. Do you play it on a cart or do you play it? Uh, I did like an emulator other? this time. I have I own six carts of it though. Two of them are Japanese. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, so you said Resident Evil. Resident Evil Four, so good. Um, absolute classic. I can name what's in every barrel before you open it up. Um, I've, that's probably the game I've beaten the most, honestly. Um, I've probably beaten it 16 times, and I own four copies on different platforms, and I'm going to get it on Switch and beat it again. <laughs> wow. I have a hard time going back to to games I've already played. Yeah. I think what does it for me with Resident Evil 4 is that it's so skill-based that you can always like do better. Um, I think that's probably why Dark Souls is super fun, too. I just beat Dark Souls 3 and played a lot of Sekiro, and then... I'm in Bloodborne and I'm just like wailing on shit right now. So um, I think that's one thing that's really fun about those those kinds of games. But the the one thing that I do want in I don't I do not think they will do it. But the one thing I want in the Switch re- re-release of Resident Evil Four is the ability to go on 
expert mode and turn off the laser sight on your gun and oh. go for it because I think I could do it. <laughs> I just want to play you all. Got this. I just want to play all hip shots, dude. <laughs> Smash Bros is really good too. Smash Bros is good. Um, what was this? What was this line of questioning about? I forget. Favorite game came from. Uh, oh, Magnum Opus uh, yes. game. Yeah, we're working on something right now that is very emblematic of a lot of games that I've just like always been really, really interested in. Um, it's kind of a genre mashup that could prove to be proved to be interesting, could prove to suck. We're you know just testing a lot of stuff. We're actually testing some stuff for uh, two uh, unreleased games at a coming uh, Pig Squad playtest event. So we're we're making sure to get feedback and make sure that it feels good to people and all that kind of thing. Um, but yeah, I would say I would say that cl- we are we are always the closest we've ever been to making an original title, a uh, completely original title that's all us kind of thing. How many events since you just mentioned playtesting? How many events do you do like a month? We host three, three to five every month. Okay. Yeah, it's a lot, but it's good. Sounds like a lot. Yeah, we started with like one event every month, and like eight people came, kind of thing. And now it's three to five events every month. And uh, if it's not one of the big, big ones, uh, or a special one, or a workshop, or something like that, we usually get between like forty and ninety people coming out to everyone. Yeah, we do. We do one monthly meetup. And then we'll do the uh, all the game jams, and then global is kind of our big ones with the keynote speaker and such. Mm-hmm. And then we'll, uh, yeah, we get about like twenty to thirty people at a monthly meetup, and then like twenty to thirty per game jam. And then global itself is probably larger, probably like sixty, seventy, eighty people. Right. Yeah, those are cool. Um, the the tip, I remember there's a very specific tipping point when I was just like, man, there's a lot of damn people here. Is <laughs> when uh, we were we were hosting our our monthly meeting. It was the I think it was the first Sunday of every month. I think at a, a tech company in Northwest Portland, and they just had this huge open area for presentations and stuff. And we were doing the structure of the event from when it was eight people to when it became like. 80 people kind of thing was uh, we would start off with like announcements, what happened last month, what happened next month. And we talk about, you know, get your PAX tickets and like all these other kinds of things. But we would also do a round table where everybody would say just a tiny bit about themselves and the kind of things that they're working on, such as like what their skill set was or what the, the project that they need help with was or any of those kinds of things. And then we would just kind of break into a free for all. People pull out their games. They already have a little bit of context for talking to people. But once I got to like 80 people and I had to start pulling out a timer because people would rant about the, you know, MMO that they wanted to make. Uh it was uh, we stopped doing that meeting structure <laughs> and we actually actually still get complaints that we don't do that meeting structure. And I was like, oh, my God, be, be real with me. Like that one, people were just bored out of their minds for like an hour because of how long some of these things were these things took. And luckily, it only took two events for me to figure out like, oh, we need to we need to change this. There's a uh, there was a good let me see if I can find it. Give me a sec. But there is a good like uh, click hole article that's was about a guy like going to a local community meetup and discussing his perfect game that he's working on. Oh, and it was yeah. like a, an MMO FPS where like you could date any NPC. Mm-hmm. Let me see if I can find it. Cause, cause the kicker of it was, Oh, here it is. The kicker of it was that the, the article was cause they always make up like a location. Like you do with right. like standard news reporting. It's like, yeah. you know, Washington DC, like, update this one was in richmond virginia <laughs> perfect was it is it a picture of you yeah <laughs> headline man with really cool idea for game just needs volunteers to do coding and art oh my god yeah richmond virginia local game developer justin lee is reportedly looking for people to help create his new game idea which he describes as a quote mmo rpg with multiple endings where your choices matter <laughs> where he plans to supply the ideas while his coworkers do everything else oh my god so good yeah those are so weird like I have I have such a weird deal with some of those things because some people like have like controller hardware ideas and like some people have game ideas and all this kind of thing. And I always open the same way. I'm always just like come to a pig squad thing at least once a month and eventually or learn everybody's names and who you do and don't want to work with and like how how you can help and all this kind of stuff. 
but they're like when when those ideas come up they always turn it into like oh but you can help me right and then they email me a bunch of stuff and never come up come out again and i'm just like dude like i currently do not see a path for your hardware right now but like you probably could have found it yourself if you just showed up to the damn events (laughs) like oh my god man um yeah, that's really funny. <laughs> and, and, and that's the thing about a lot of this stuff, right? Especially like community organizing and volunteer efforts is like, you know, 90% of the work is just showing up and then being consistent. Like, yeah. especially on yourself, like not mm-hmm. even just like the people that want to come and like watch the talks or whatever, but right. like you, you yourself need to make sure as a community leader that you are constantly putting in the work, mm-hmm. constantly being regular with it. Just like that, showing other people that you are being consistent allows them to go oh i know that my time yeah any any time i invest in this organization won't be wasted yeah it brings legitimacy to it definitely um yeah the the hard one that's the one that's still very very difficult for me that is a very legit concern of many community members is just that our events are getting very large and sometimes they get loud and sometimes um you know, even if we're in a space with multiple rooms, it's kind of just nowhere to go if you need a break, like a mental break for yourself, a social break for yourself kind of thing. Uh, that one that one is dif- uh, continually difficult. And we've had a lot of good ideas come out of the community that are a little bit more work to do that I really look forward to implementing, such as like a quiet games night where it's like no talking and there's a bunch of games set up and there's headphones and stuff like that. Or like you can go outside to talk if you want kind of thing, which would be I think would be kind of fun and interesting. That's a good inverse of like all the parties I went to at GDC where it's like I went outside to escape the loud noise. Yeah, totally. And I totally recognize that people can't handle that in some cases. But the uh, yeah, the, the hard one is always just how to make sure that it's accessible to everybody. And at the very least, one of the things that we really focus on is making sure that when we do our three to five events a month, that they are all on different days of the week. Um, as much as I can, I try to make sure that at least one of the events is on a weekend because that's an even, uh, you know, another very, very simple kind of requirement that will not allow some people to come out. It's just like, yep, I work nights and uh, I, I can't come to these events maybe once a season unless uh, there's there's events on weekends versus during these weekdays or any of those kinds of things. So that's another that's another kind of interesting one. Yeah, that's interesting that when you said that one of your uh, when you first started doing monthly meetings, they were on Sunday nights because we do ours. Um, we just switch. We did them the first Tuesday mm-hmm. of every month, and now we switch them to the second Wednesday because mm-hmm. that was what people said. More people said that they could make that as opposed to the Tuesday one. Right. But I don't even know if I like put forth like the idea of like, hey, would you want to do a Saturday or Sunday? Like, <laughs> can't do it, dude. That's another. Th- <laughs> I have no idea why I even like chose to cut out like the choice of saturday or sunday i was like okay what work what weekday works best for you Uh um so yeah so maybe that's something we should readdress as a community as well it's like if we were to do a second monthly meeting maybe make it specifically a a weekend definitely yeah for sure (laughs) the reason i just said you can't do it is another thing that was so hard starting out with pig squad was uh asking everybody's feedback and seeing you know a uh uh, I can't even remember what the the service is now. What's the one where you get to everybody gets to show their schedules or they get to pick what days are available and it matches everything up. There, there's Doodle and then there's like we Doodle meet is what I'm thinking of. Yeah, I haven't thought about that software for so long because of what I'm about to say. <laughs> it's like Did you send it, that thing to like 80 people to like schedule well, something. No, I didn't do like 80. I learned I learned that like with 12 people, where it's just like everybody's just like no, like it's like that my my favorite meme of late that appeared on on Twitter where uh, they said, "Hey, let's bring the let's bring the ring to Mordor, and you have my bow, you have my axe." Wednesday isn't great for me (laughs) was the the series. Um, But uh, yeah, I I learned pretty quickly that, yeah, just like slotting something on the calendar and saying, sorry, we can do it next time. I mean, um, it's unfortunate, but that's now that we're at the, at the scale that we're at where we can do multiple events a month and stuff like that. I hope that at least there's more access in that way. So how do you how do you do that with organizing meetings with like the board and then like the officers like is that mostly done online or like I just do it 
I, uh, <laughs> yeah, I, so p- technically what we're, what we're really working towards right now is making sure that we have the support system on the back end to look at how, uh, workshops or fundraising or any of those kind of like wider scale issues or, uh, tasks, uh, can come about with, with everybody's time and efforts and, uh, new volunteers time and everything like that. So that kind of stuff is being worked on in the background. And then until then it's pretty much just like, let's do what we do continually really, really well and add, add 15% to that kind of thing. So a lot of the times when we're scheduling events, we are either directly taking feedback from organizers or, uh, general community members uh and either replacing events or adding new events to what last year's calendar was um it's actually pretty cool for the last three years our schedule has been relatively consistent even with what hit at what time of the year and the uh the kind of result has been that We've been doing similar stuff and people have a lot of feedback on what could be improved, but a lot of the things are uh, just a similar thing with a lot more people involved um, because it, it still continues to grow, which is really cool. That's awesome. That's great to hear. I, I definitely look to you guys for inspiration for like RVA game Thank jam you. stuff. <laughs> I know when we were talking about the new board reorg, which was about a little less than a year ago. Pig Squad and Glitch City and a couple other like community organizations where we're big on our list of like, all right, like these guys seem to have it figured out. What can we do to like better emulate our inspirations? Right. Yeah, totally. Thank you. Um, of course. Uh I love I love everything you guys are doing over there and it sounds really exciting. I feel like I should make an excuse to come to Portland to witness one of these events. Yeah. Hard part is when people are already in town for things like packs or something like that or nearby town i should say um we're usually not doing events right around there because we're because <laughs> we're going You're so avoiding, hard on yeah yeah but um yeah i mean uh uh we do do things around like X- xoxo actually i would recommend if anybody ever wanted to check out pig squad and find out a reason to come to portland jointly with what pig squad has going on i would definitely recommend well one with regard to summer slow jams uh you can totally participate remotely um we have a lot of community channels like a slack and we use uh, twitter for communication a whole lot and all that kind of thing to make sure that people can access each other even if they can't make it on site um but another big one i would recommend is the portland retro gaming expo it happens every october uh it's about a 20 25,000 person con and it is a third retro arcade that's just blasting the whole time for free, no quarters required, uh, and the Tetris World Championships happen there. Uh, and then it's probably like a an eighth of just like a lot of uh, Etsy-style art that people make based on retro games. And the rest is a huge swap meet where there's just like a ton of just anything you could imagine retro game stuff. Uh, there's one there's one booth that raffles off a signed uh, copy of Earthbound every year, and there's like uh, I'm gonna be getting a Game Boy camera and printer this year, you know, all that kind of stuff. And Pig Pig Squad has a big booth in the arcade area um, where we show off 30 games over the course of the whole weekend, based on uh, people who are submitting from uh, Portland and Seattle, typically. And developers are all there, so you can talk to them, and it's really cool. Everybody's super nice. And then we also have a conference room set aside where we host a horror game marathon. We host a VR lounge. We host an all-ages game-making workshop, and that's all for the cost of just the Retro Gaming Expo Pass, which is like 35 bucks for the weekend or something like that. Um, I should say all of our events are typically free unless there's kind of a special thing going on. But um, but yeah, I would say if anybody wanted to come to Portland and check out Portland, that Retro Gaming Expo is like a huge base of activities for like always something to go do. And it's really, really fun. Pig Squad also has a lot of stuff going on and as well as kind of some kind of scheduled stuff through the weekend. And then Portland itself is an easy place to kind of get along in and check out. Uh, and that's every October. 
And then you also briefly mentioned XOXO, which I know last year happened right after PAX West. I don't know if that's always the the way it works. I forget how it's going to work this year because I think PAX has been kind of creeping around slowly. And Do you hear East is going to be in February? Yeah. Yeah. I'm actually stoked on that. <laughs> I mean, yeah. I'm like, I'm glad it's out of the way at GDC now, but like it's Boston in February. Yeah, it's a big change. It's going to could be could be a little uh, could be a little wet and wild, if you know what I mean. Uh, yeah mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> but yeah awesome yeah i i definitely i need to find a way to make an excuse to go over to portland so totally. maybe post post pax west or pre-pax west might be a good excuse um but yeah will i think that's a good place to wrap it up what say you uh yeah that sounds great all right uh, awesome. this was fun for sure i'm glad you enjoyed it uh <laughs> where can people find you they can find me on Twitter. My handle is GameWillPDX, as in Portland. I have a big orange beard, and in my photo, I'm wearing a big orange Yoshi hat. Uh, if you need my headshot, Dylan, a poster, whatever, I'll send it to you. Um, there's also Rosity Games. Uh, our handle is Rosity Games on Twitter, and it's uh, Rosity Games PDX on Instagram. And then we've got Facebook and all that other kind of stuff. Uh, the World Next Door is out now, and we're going to be making some announcements about games in the future. So again, that's Rose City Games. And then to join and collaborate in Pig Squad, that is the Portland Indie Game Squad. If you're just going straight Google, but our Twitter handle is at Pig Squad. Uh, Instagram is Pig Squad PDX. And our website is pigsquad.com. We have an event section, photos of what events look like, a lot of video documentation about what events look like, uh, and game jam information for summer slow jams will probably be announced in the next couple of weeks. Awesome. And you can find me at Dylan Alvento. And if you like this podcast, you want to listen to any of our other podcasts, you can find them at ward-games.com or on Twitter at wardvideogames, or just search wardcast and this show will come right up. Boom. Boom. <laughs> will thank you again yeah thank you so much of course until next time <laughs>